Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Good day, friends. I'm Shen. And I'm Lei. And welcome back to another episode of the Wally Nat Podcast. Welcome. <laughs> I'm trying to almost yell and my, like, I can't. Yeah. My, my voice is like struggling. It's not trying to keep up with me right now. It's but a challenge. I will do my best. <laughs> all you got, all you can do is your best, I feel. That's a, <laughs> a little bit of more, a little more and more of your best is, is, is best. Um, <laughs> but anyways, friends, how are you doing? How are you? Um, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. This new thing I'm doing is trying to go to my bed early mm. um, because I, I actually need to wake up early. But yeah. um, when I do wake up, I'm like struggling. So trying to set another routine for myself to wake up early yeah but I also did not factor in that winter will also wake up early so oh god no <laughs> like oh man I thought this was a me thing no <laughs> that's the worst yeah I that's legitimately one of those things that I kind of worked on with I, and people I used to get a lot of flack I feel even though it wasn't like super direct but I feel like indirectly when I'd be around other moms they would be like what Yara goes to bed at 9.30. Yara goes to bed at 10. That's so late. That's so late. And then I was like, yeah, what time do you guys get up? She's like, oh, yeah, I'm up by 5.45. I'm like, yeah, that's never going to be me. <laughs> or like, oh, I'm up by 6.50. And it's like, yeah, that's not me. I get up at 9.30 every day. And I'm the happiest person in the world. So I would much rather have my child go to bed a bit later and wake up later so that I can enjoy more sleep. And they're like, that makes sense. So yeah, it, it's worked for us. I remember speaking with a sleep consultant who was pretty adamant about the fact that like that wouldn't last and it's lasted. Yara goes to bed every day at like 9.45 and it's up by 9.30. But when she, like, like, like with returning to school, it's different. Like she has to go yeah. to bed earlier because obviously she, the expectation is that she'll wake up earlier. But um, during the summer, oh yeah, that's a schedule that I like. I was just um, mentioning that to someone the other day where I'm like, oh, wow, it's that time of summer where I remember my mom making us go to bed so early because school's starting soon. Mm -hmm. Like, I do not miss those days. I know, right? <laughs> Trying to get your body used to it. And the bottom line is, it's like, it doesn't work. Like, I don't feel like it works effectively enough because you're not taking it seriously. You never no. do. 
Like you go to your, even if you're in your room, you're not actually sleeping. So you're just there twiddling your thumbs, pretending to sleep or like pretending to sleep until your mom is like sleep. And then you're like run downstairs and watch TV or like do something else. Yeah. So yeah, until you're actually like in the trenches back at school and you have those first couple of nights where you're exhausted Mm -hmm. slash daytimes and you're like during the day and you're at school and you like cannot focus because you're up until like whatever time. Mm -hmm. That's, I feel like the best way for your body. Um, to acclimate and that's even the approach that I took with Yara when she was starting school I like tried to get her to bed a bit earlier but she wasn't used to it so I'm like okay send her to school that first day and she was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) what's going on I'm exhausted gets home at 7 30 she's like yeah I'm done so I'm like perfect yeah the routine is best man because I didn't have an issue with putting winter to bed when she was in daycare I was like yes Mm -hmm. I have the whole evening to myself and oh, she yeah. does not even stir. Oh, and last night, oh my God, my okay, remember how I mentioned that I was so afraid of um winter being in a room alone now that she can open the doors. Yeah. And I was sleeping and like I just like shot up out of my sleep and I have like the camera like right by my pillow. And I look up and my biggest fear is like looking up and not seeing her in the bed. So oh my I gosh. opened my eyes and she was not in her bed. And I was like, John, wake up. She's not in her room. <laughs> <laughs> and we both just like run out of the room. And she's just standing in the hallway with her blankie and her teddy bear. <laughs> by, like by the baby gate. And she's like, well, hello. Oh, oh, like, oh no. This is too much. I can't. Listen, you've got to find a way to trap her in there. I, you know what? I told John, I gave in and I told him to switch the, the lock on the door so that she at least, like, she can't open it at night. And we can hear her, but I don't know. I must have been in a deep sleep last night. Right. To not hear her scurry. Usually I just, I can hear when she rolls over, but I was tired yesterday. And that's what I'm afraid of, so... But you prefer the lock on the door as opposed to the gate in front of the door? Uh, kind of. I Kind of. Because yeah. there's nothing in her room. So I was talking to a lot of people about it and they're like, yeah, just use the lock because it turns her crib or her room into the crib now. And there's nothing in there but her bed. Yeah, I guess. Right now, and I think it's, like, the perfect... I know, it sounds aggressive. It does. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I just feel like I don't like the idea of her being locked in there. But I, I understand, like, exactly, particularly for her safety. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, honestly, I, I thought about it four weeks, and I felt so terrible about it. But after speaking to a lot of moms, they're like, yeah. Because oh. they can always figure out how to, how to, like, get through that baby gate. You just never know. Yeah. Like it's true because she's already figuring out the baby gate by the steps and she knows that there's like double locks on there and she's working at them one by one so <laughs> yeah and I again I think you have to do with whatever you're comfortable with it's like it, it, despite what anybody else may think it's like whatever you're comfortable with whatever's gonna work best for you and what's gonna keep wins safe is probably yeah. the best course of action so well, you know win so <laughs> she's an escape artist I have yeah. to think I that's might be my best bet and it's <laughs> It's temporary. It's until she learns how to stay in her room. So. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think it'll take too long for her to learn better. I don't think so either. These kids are quick and they're super smart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh God. <laughs> no, I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, does that, does that, does that count as a check-in for me? I don't know. I feel like we kind of did, okay, we did a 
Did you ask me how I'm doing? I feel like I, I did one. not. No. Really? Oh, well. <laughs> I guess because I'm like so like still in the days, but truly. Um, okay, let me give you the chance. You did check in. I did, right? Like, did. I, fine. Like things are the way that they are. They're regular. Um, <laughs> regular. This is regular. Nothing too exciting to report. I wish I had more, but unfortunately, I don't. So, yeah, doing well enjoying um life to the <laughs> as best as i can uh <laughs> under the circumstances i think uh there's lots of like i don't know there's it's funny because yesterday i spoke to my my cousin in florida and mm-hmm. it's just like now they've gone to full virtual learning she's a kindergarten teacher wow. um and yeah she's just so she's so overwhelmed she's like she's covid crazy she says but i'm like you have all right to be because she was asking like you know how is it for us like you know are you able to do this or do that because she's like i don't go anywhere but the grocery store and i was like wow no like we're definitely having like my, our friends are hosting events <laughs> like, yeah. you know we're at that stage now and she's like i can't even fathom that because we had like i don't know nine thousand cases yesterday so it, i can't even wrap my head around potentially doing anything like that and i'm like yeah i get it, it it's scary it's really really scary so i feel like with the backdrop of covid and like all like still like you know the persistent anti-black racism stuff it's like there's a lot happening but i'm just doing my best to keep smiling mm-hmm. um and stay safe so um yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh friends today oh today this is such a like what a season i feel like we're just like yeah just just giving us bangers as far as guests are going <laughs> like we started like off on a high we're just like we're just going to continue we're going to continue the trajectory of awesome guests so um today we uh have the pleasure of sitting with dr jess um i don't even want to introduce i won't tell her what like i won't tell you all what she does because it's like a laundry list of really cool things um but we'll just start off by checking in with her and finding out how she's doing and what she's up to so welcome dr jess hey hey how's it going (laughs) (laughs) we're doing great over here how are you doing I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging in there. It's a, a weird summer, a weird normal, but uh, you know, yeah. happy to be safe and sound in a place like Toronto, not a place like, you know, Florida or these places, as you said, with 10,000 cases every day. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. It's crazy. I was telling, I told my cousin, I'm like, yeah, last week we like hit a record low at 33 cases. And she's like, where? She's like, on your street? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, in the province. And she's like, what? That's crazy. Like, she's like, I'm moving. She's like, that's it. I'm like, I got three kids, but you know what? It's fine. We're coming. Like, she was just like, this is wild. So I, I definitely agree. But welcome. Um, how has your week been? I know it's kind of a fresh start, but anyway. Yeah, pretty good. You know, I like I like these early mornings. It's easy to just sleep in. But I, I of course, I wake up like first thing in the morning and don't want to get up. But I always feel so good when I either beat the sun up or get up with the sun. Wow. Right. <laughs> I need to get there. A, <laughs> oh, I'm not always here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Thank you for your honesty. I feel a little bit better because I'm like, ooh. Yeah. That's- well, I, I think everybody's having these ups and downs, you know, like you have mm-hmm. a good day and then you have a rough day or you have a day where you feel good and or you have a day when you feel like you don't want to do anything. Yeah. I, I think we're having so we're having more of the latter these days. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I mean, it's, uh, it's a weird time, but I, I keep reminding myself, um, as frustrated as I am, that, you know, for many of us, like in, in places like Canada, it's an inconvenience, whereas for other people, it's, it's life and death. So right. we're lucky to just, just be inconvenienced. You're so right. You're so, so right. And we're also happy to, like, lucky to have guests or, like, for the most part to have, you know, citizens that are pretty compliant. Like, I have seen a couple of videos online circulating where there are a few people who are, like, upset about the mask situation, but, like, not to the degree that I've seen in America. Like, people are absolutely adamant about not wearing masks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, my friend in Toronto, actually, yesterday, downtown Toronto, ran into... Uh, I guess some anti-maskers in a store who refused oh, wow. to put on the mask. And she said something because this friend has no filter. And <laughs> uh, and they just started yelling in her face that she was ugly. Like that was their response. You're ugly. What? You're ugly. Wow. Yeah. The stuff that people put up with, right? Oh, my wow. gosh. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah and, yeah, and I'm sure race and gender played into this interaction. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, kudos to your friend for standing up with, like, you know what I mean? Because it's, it's funny because she's standing up and likely your friend would have been fine, you know, maybe engaging with someone without a mask, but your friend's maybe standing up for people who wouldn't have been, which is really noble. That's exactly it, right? She's a, a young, healthy person, mm -hmm. but not everybody around you is. Exactly. Right. Crazy. That's just outrageous. Um, well, at this stage in our show, we like to celebrate more awesome people, <laughs> like your friend, um, and we like to nominate bomb moms. So friends, before we jump into our own, let us remind you that you need to continue to send us your bomb mom noms, and that you can do that either by sending us a DM on Instagram, you can even message us on Facebook, or you can send us um, an email or directly on our website. You can go right to contact us and you can nominate bomb moms that way. So keep them coming, friends. We love the noms. Sen, do you want to go first? Yep, we love to hear from you guys. Oh, sure. Uh, my, <laughs> my nomination this week is Miss Tabitha Brown. <laughs> oh, it's like Tyler Perry, Tabitha Brown? Is she from Tyler Perry? She's an actor. I only found her on Instagram and I just think she's awesome. No, she's not. I'm sorry. That is the wrong person. Yes. Continue. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, she's um, an actress. Yes. Uh, a vegan foodie. I think a lot of people probably see her on like morning shows, mm -hmm. um, you know, sharing her vegan recipes. I'm sure like her, a lot of her video videos have gone viral of her making like vegan uh, fried chicken. And, uh oh all those cool recipes and I'm sure you wouldn't find it late because vegan is not vegan meals aren't your thing well I like but. food that tastes good so I'll eat anything <laughs> <laughs> if it tastes good I'll try it I will make something one day but um yeah she, uh, she's really hilarious I love her videos I love her voice yeah she's funny I love everything about her she's so sweet um and you know maybe one day We'll have Miss Tabitha Brown on our show. Listen. I'm going to speak it. Speak it into existence. <laughs> but other than that, I'm going to shout her out this week. So this week, I'm going to nominate Jade Camille's mom. <laughs> so Jade Camille is a little girl that I came across on Instagram, I want to say last year, potentially the year before, um, based on how small she was at the time. So I think it might have been 2018 
when I was pregnant with Yara and like slowly adding more and more baby accounts to like <laughs> my roster of um, accounts to follow on Instagram. I think I was looking for not necessarily baby accounts, but like just looking for baby stuff. And like, you know, of course, as you start looking for things, what starts to happen to your explore page. But anyway, yeah. um, so the video that I came across was her combing her mother's hair and like she was like brushing her mom's hair and she was just like, she was literally two at the time and like engaged in deep dialogue about like what was going on. And her mom was like, you know, just being super animated. And it was such a hilarious, hilarious video. Um, Yeah. And I just, I just find the two of them so adorable. They have the best chemistry. And then now she also has another daughter um, who is equally as precious um, and who reminds me so much of Bean. (laughs) Her daughter reminds me quite, her youngest daughter reminds me quite a bit of Yara. So I love her. I love the way that she is with her family and not, you know, how open she is about her marriage as well. Um, I think she's, yeah, I'm pretty confident she's an army vet. I don't think she's still in the army anymore, but I mean, she was even at one point was talking about like postpartum, not postpartum, sorry, PTSD, um, and all the other things that army vets are likely to experience. So I just think that she's incredible. And I think that, you know, growing a platform for a young child is not easy, um, because children are children. Um, but she's very committed to, you know, the, the business that she's building for her daughter. And she seemingly allows her daughter to kind of like, you know, direct and, and, and it's open about that. She'll post videos of them trying to record and her daughter will be really frustrated or crying or whatever. And it's like, you know, she's just showing us the real, like that it's not all glitz and glam. And I love that. I'm a sucker for transparency. So, (laughs) uh, Jade Camille's mother, I will eventually find your name. Uh, hopefully by the time that we post this, uh, you are my bomb mom, nom. And Jess, you're up. Okay, I'm. I'm gonna bring it. Bring it local. Do you know uh, Natalie Pretty, Natty P on Instagram? No, but we're gonna pull her up. Yeah, pull her up. So it's underscore Natty P, Natalie oh. Pretty. She's a she's an on air uh, travel and lifestyle expert. She's a friend of mine. Cool. She's a blogger. She has a new column with Post City in Toronto. She's doing a series, uh, a number of series on on race in Canada, focusing on black history, black companies. Which and it's interesting, you know, when you look at the concentration of wealth, uh, how hard it is to even. <laughs> find some black now first of all there are tons of great black companies to support but in mm-hmm. some it's so impossible for people of color and black folks in particular to get into it like she did a segment on black wineries black owned wineries and <gasps> just that many wineries and i'm a big wine wine drinker and i visit a lot of wineries because you know, i'm grounded i've been traveling around ontario wineries be so white so incredibly white yeah so uh, natalie's shining a light uh spotlight on some of these um businesses that we can support uh, on global the morning show and I, I believe on i believe it's on ctv as well it's two different two different uh segments she also has uh instagram lives every wednesday called moms in real life where she just talks to different moms so maybe she should talk to you folks or you should talk to her but definitely follow underscore natty p uh, and uh, she talks about being, you know, mixed race. Um, you probably saw the anti, well, I don't even know what you call it, but it was just this super racist propaganda going around about how we shouldn't mix races. And I think oh. she brought her parents on TV to discuss it. Um, um, so yeah, she, she's doing really, really great work in so many different realms from travel to anti-Black racism. 
Yes. I'm scrolling through her Instagram now and I'm not, I'm loving it. But to be very frank, you had me at Black Winery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think if I recall correctly, it's like she could find one in Ontario where one oh, of the... Wow. Black. And so, yeah, I mean, of course, there are so many incredible Black businesses we should be supporting, but mm-hmm. also we have to talk about barriers to entry in certain markets. Like we were, yes. you know, it's not just easy to go enter a market where, and wineries is just one example because I happen to be a wine fan, but where there's, you know, not just institutional wealth, but intergenerational wealth and things being passed down from generation to generation. And that, this is more, more of what's on my mind recently. I was in the Thousand Islands this weekend. Mm-hmm. When, when this guy took us on a tour and was showing us all these incredible houses on the water. And my husband was like, said to him, you know, these are beautiful. And this is just intergenerational wealth. This is yes. just, you know, homes being passed down from generation to generation and mm-hmm. creating more and more wealth and further concentrating that wealth. And of course that stratifies us across race lines as well. So yeah, Natty P check her out. Absolutely. So, I mean, Jess is just not here to talk about the fabulous friends that she has in her life. Um, (laughs) Although I'm sure we could talk about that all day. But she is here, friends. (laughs) She is here because we are going to talk about something that I think that, you know, moms, I don't want to say that moms don't talk about because that's the generalization. But I feel like more, a lot of times, like, you know, moms don't really engage with too, too much because we've got a million other things to talk about. But it's something that I'm sure dads talk about all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about sex today, friends. We are talking about sex. We are talking about sex ed. We are talking about our bodies. And we are talking about it not only, but like mainly through the lens of postpartum. So it's exciting. Um, It was birthed out of our, what episode was it again, Shine? It was birthed out of the episode. I can't remember now. Love, sex, and marriage? Uh, partially, but also the 30, right? Life after 30. Uh, dry vagina. <laughs> Whoever you are, we, we thank you, dry vagina, for, you know, <laughs> reaching out and being bold enough to tell us that that was going on once you turned 30. So, like, it really motivated Chen and I. Like, we're like, we got to get somebody on here, an expert to talk about our bodies and to talk about how to keep our mojo going and how to find time and, you know, how to be sensual with our significant others so definitely this topic has actually come up in many episodes Mm -hmm. this has always been on our list of (laughs) things to talk about because sometimes i don't know we kind of need assistance we (laughs) listen let me just like small sidebar i told leon this was happening and leon's like this is the best episode that i feel like you've ever recorded i'm like you would say that of course (laughs) he's like your notes (laughs) right he's like whatever you do make sure you replay that episode multiple times she's talking to you about sex he's like listen don't 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 miss a beat oh my god leon i know he's crazy so anyway welcome dr jess um please introduce yourself let us know what it is that you do um how you support women and men um and yeah all that great stuff Sure, sure. So I'm a sexologist, which is a bit of an umbrella term that refers to studying sex. And I work primarily with groups. So I don't do the one-on-one. I work with groups and I work kind of all around the world, uh, primarily with, with entrepreneurs, with people who are running businesses and their partners, because there's so much investment into business when you, you know, reach a certain level, but you want 
if you want life satisfaction and fulfillment, you actually have to invest in your relationships. So, you know, I, I go by sexologist, but it really is a focus on relationships and sex is just one part of that. And I come from a teaching background. I was a high school teacher a long time ago, over a decade ago. And I did my research uh, in terms of supporting teachers to deliver effective more sex, sexual health education because teachers are really thrown into the fire or thrown to the wolves with very few supports. And very so that's true. my passion. But, but uh, you know, I've written a bunch of books. My latest book is The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. Ooh. And I host a podcast as well. I have the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast where we talk about everything um, from topics like this, you know, postpartum sex to emotional unavailability and emotional literacy and how, mm. how to manage fights. And then, of course, the fun stuff like G-spots and orgasms and techniques as well. So it really runs the gamut. Wow. Less than. <laughs> I'm already sold. I guess we can go with the questions that we have for ourselves first <laughs> before we like um, going to what people kind of mentioned to us. But I think one thing that Lay and I have often discussed throughout this entire podcast series mm -hmm. is um, getting back into the groove of things in regards to sex after having a baby and kind of the difficulties that we had with, um, you know, being comfortable with our bodies mm -hmm. and adjusting to the transition of different things happening to us. AKA dry vaginas and <laughs> <laughs> if I could be frank and um, feeling, um, I don't know, like even like low sex drive, like mm -hmm. it would be, you know, it goes up and down and it's kind of hard to navigate cause you don't know how you feel. <laughs> yeah. Every day. And it's kind of hard for our partners to follow as well because like one day we're really into it and another day I'm just like, I feel nothing. Mm. Um, and it's kind of hard to, I don't know, it's, it, it's hard to explain that to your partner because <laughs> they don't really know what's truly going on with you because yeah. it's, it's so in, infrequent. That's what, that's the word. I don't know. Yeah. It's still hard to adjust even now. And our kids are almost two years old and, um, I don't know. It's like some tips, like how do we approach that? Especially with talking to our partners about like the changes in our body and that even though it's been like over a year that it's still an adjustment. Yeah, I think um, there's, there are a lot of layers here and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll start with first, just go easy on yourself. Mm -hmm. I think one of the biggest challenges is that we face pressure and we feel pressure to get back into it. You know, if you read the magazine, headlines it's about getting your body back and yeah. you know some of these are unrealistic really absurd um, maybe don't reflect our values which aren't necessarily about having a specific body type so I think first and foremost we have to give ourselves permission to want sex to not want sex to change our minds to enjoy it to feel indifferent uh, and not feel pressure to just jump right back into the saddle and you say, you know, it's, it's been two years, but two years is actually a very short period of time, especially when you're undergoing so much transition. So I, I just want to take a step back and mm -hmm. talk a little bit about the, the journey of, of your body and what you go through yeah. and yeah. what those hormonal changes look like across the course of a lifespan. So from 
first menstruation all the way to menopause, things are constantly changing. So just to give you a little bit of perspective, when you start menstruating, you have these more predictable shifts in hormone levels. So you've got the follicle stimulating hormone, which stimulates the ovarian follicles to produce estrogen. Then once the estrogen levels are reached, you get a surge in luteinizing hormone in LH. Then the ovary releases an egg. Then there's the leftover follicle producing more progesterone and more mm -hmm. estrogen to prep for potential pregnancy. Then the, the progesterone and estrogen rise and the FAH and the LH drop. And, and I mean, I'm, you don't need to remember any of this, but the reason I'm going <laughs> through all of it, I don't really barely remember at all. The point is that's just your period. It's like spike down, up, up, down, up, down. That's just your period. So we go through this our entire lives. Oof. Then when you get pregnant, you've got the HCG, which is associated with nausea, nausea. You've got progesterone that, you know, rises in the first trimesters and then plateaus, which leads to, you know, gastrointestinal issues and hair growth. Then you've got estrogen that's also rising that can lead to, you know, it changes in appetite and skin and spider veins. And then you've got relaxin, which increases by tenfold, which relaxes the arteries and ligaments and can lead to joint pain. You've got fluctuations in oxytocin and prolactin. Like this is what you're putting your, your body through. Oh my gosh. And so not feeling sexy makes hell of a lot of sense. And then postpartum, you've got prolactin remaining while progesterone and estrogen start to decline. You've got an increase in MAOA, which can affect your dopamine and serotonin and norepinephrine levels. Uh, you know, 70% of people affect, are, are experiencing baby blues, 13% experiencing depression. And it's normal to feel depressed and exhausted and have mood swings and dry skin and anxiety and stress and sleeplessness. And then we've got the vast majority post-childbirth experiencing sexual pain from stitches, from cesarean, exactly. from episiotomy. And why the hell would you want sex? Like, why the hell? Max. Like, I know this is a lot of info that, again, people don't need to memorize, but damn, your body is going through so much. Period. And so not only has it changed, but your mood has changed. Your entire lifestyle has changed. Your sleep cycle has changed. And this is just the beginning of it because, you know, we have our period, we have puberty, then period, then for many people, childbirth and postpartum. And then many people do that again, childbirth, postpartum again, and then you go into perimenopause and I like, won't even get into what that looks like. We can save that for another time. So please. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, <That's> I know. <laughs> please just give yourself permission to feel what you're feeling and not have to perform. So that, that takes us to first you're focusing on yourself and not apologizing to yourself, not feeling like you must live up, not feeling as though you have to, you know, be like, I don't know, one of the Kardashians who lost their weight in 4.6 hours after exactly. getting a baby. Um, so permission for yourself to feel what you're feeling. You don't have to analyze your feelings. You just have permission to feel it. Then you have to actually communicate with your partner, right? Because mm -hmm. your partner does not understand this. You don't even understand this. I don't even understand this. I just know the kind of high level, you know, hormonal shifts. Yes. And so to explain to your partner um, what's going on with you is obviously essential. So can you just be really honest about your feelings and vulnerable? Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. ...with your feelings and admit that, you know, some days I feel really up and some days I feel really down and some days I'm really in the mood and some days it actually can, can disgust me a little. And it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you need to give your partner reassurance, but I don't feel that it's entirely your job. I, I think you can also say to your partner, um, you know, why don't you go do some reading on this, right? So when you're the person who's struggling, it's not your job to also be the teacher. And if, if that's who you are and that's the way you want to go, that's fine. But I don't like the onus of responsibility falling on the birth parent to have to educate their partner because you're dealing with a lot. I just described the physical hormonal shifts, but what about the emotional ones, Mm -hmm. the the swings in mood? So I I think it's important to let them know, hey, I care about you. I love you. Um, I want to feel close to you. And then let's shift the script so that it's not about servicing them or meeting their needs. Why don't you really write down what your needs are right now? Like what makes you feel loved? What Mm -hmm. makes you feel close to them? What makes you feel physically safe? What makes you feel comfortable in your body? That's just, I've just given you four or five questions to begin with that are all about you. Because most of the times, especially in like the heterosexual context, when um, people come to me after childbirth, they're saying, oh, my partner wants sex, but it hurts. Or my partner wants sex, but I'm not in the mood. Or my partner wants sex, but I'm exhausted. And I just wish we could stop focusing on what our partners want and focus on what we want. Like flip the switch and really just say, what I want is to be held. What I want is, is a massage. What I want is to be admired. What I want is to not even be looked at right now. Uh, what I want is space. What I want is a long, and when I say long, it could just be a 10 minute hot bath. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, let's look at your own needs. And if there were two words that I think postpartum birth parents can, can embrace, it's be selfish. Yes. Please focus on your own needs because you're feeling a lot of things, but you're probably not taking the time to really identify what it is you want and i'm sure all the people in your lives are telling you what they want your child mm-hmm. is you know si- not not with words but your child is telling you what they want yeah and you're attending to their every need almost 24 7 mm. um when it comes to sex your partner even if they don't mean to pressure you i'm not suggesting the partners are the villains here mm-hmm. uh, they, they don't understand but I, again it is their job to do the learning right just you know in, in other realms when people don't understand. It can't be up to the folks who are struggling most to explain it to the people who are struggling less. It's true. So, you know, they can go do some reading and Googling. And in the world of Google, there are so many um, great resources out there. Uh, Even just for them to have an understanding of, hey, this is what your body's going through with prolactin and MAOA and the baby blues Mm -hmm. and all of these pieces that we talk about a little bit and I think that birth parents talk about it, but what about their partners? Like, do their partners understand it? So please be selfish, ask for what you want. Um, let's say you do like sex, and but you're feeling exhausted. Sorry, tell your partner to get a toy and go down on you, right? Like, 
turn it around. Say, I'm going to, I just carried a human being and contributed a human being to this world mm-hmm. out of my vagina. My vagina would like, and my vulva, my clitoris would like some tender love and care. Here's a toy that interests me. Please use it. And are you going to want to reciprocate in some way or connect in some way with them after? Probably, but it doesn't True. always have to be that way. They can just take care of you. Oh, this is a whole word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is powerful. You know what? It really is. It's super empowering. And I think it's so funny because, um, and again, to your point, I don't think it has to be something where like, if you're not comfortable being touched, if you don't want to be intimate, that's your right. But I know like speaking from my, like myself, like, you know, Leon is, definitely like someone who enjoys you know to have he loves sex and likes to be intimate but Leon also enjoys pleasuring so like I never thought about it like in that way of flipping the script where it's like maybe I don't necessarily want to do for you but like maybe you can just do for me and that would be that and I don't think that like I feel like doing that all the time would eventually grow old like I think that that would become very frustrating because it becomes somewhat one-sided and I think about from my own perspective that was how it was for me then that would be somewhat tiresome Um, but I definitely think in the context of just giving birth and just being sore and tired and overwhelmed that, yeah, like, you know, really saying that you want something, you want some pleasure, you want to be, you know, sexually satisfied or gratified is, is not a bad thing and not something that women should be ashamed of. Yeah. And, and remember that, that sexual satisfaction can mean lots of different things. It doesn't Mm -hmm. always mean you have to have an orgasm. It doesn't always mean you have to have penetration. There are, I mean, the, the body, in fact, uh, is more likely to have an orgasm without penetration. Wow. So, and I'm not suggesting, you know, I don't want to sound hard-lined, like ignore your partner or don't attend to their mm-hmm. desires. I just think that, you know, the majority of cases that I see, it is about feeling pressure to perform. And that pressure, of course, is the antithesis to play pleasure. So once you really make it about your pleasure, maybe it's just rubbing on the outside. Maybe it's, you know, there's a, a line of toys and I, you may not love the name, but it's a really great toy with great technology. Tell us. Called the, called, yeah, it's called the womanizer. <laughs> and it's so incredible. Like I gave one to, to someone the other day and she was saying like, I orgasm so quickly. I feel like I didn't earn it. <laughs> so it's, it's not a vibrator. It's what they call pleasure air. So it has a, a little opening um, at the top and that fits over the head of your clit and it releases tiny waves of, of air. So it's kind of like little changes in air pressure that wow. creates this. Yeah. It's almost the feeling of a gentle, like, kiss or suction or it's not a suction toy but it feels like a suction and Mm -hmm. people describe it that way but a lot of people who aren't looking for penetration just want to kind of focus on the head of the clit because maybe it's feeling more sensitive or it's definitely not feeling as sore as other areas and so maybe they use that on you for a little bit. Of course, you're probably going to want to reach over and touch them sometimes. As yeah. I said, it would get old if, if they were just pleasuring you. But I, I think this leads us to another really important piece. Many of us stop having sex because we believe that sexual desire must occur spontaneously. Mm. And rom-coms and porn and every representation of sex we see 
validates this erroneous perspective. So it's this idea that like, if I love you, if I'm attracted to you, if the sex is good, I'll automatically want to, you know, tear your clothes off and get Mm -hmm. down to it. But after a day of work and taking care of the kids and, you know, catching up with, with your family and doing the dishes and making dinner and doing chores and dealing with the COVID news, uh, it's probably not going to occur spontaneously. Sexual desi- desire is something we have to cultivate. And so if you wait until you're in the mood to have sex, you'll probably never have sex. True. But if you know that you like sex, whether it's because of the physical sensations or the orgasm or the closeness or the affection or the way you feel connected or relaxed after, whatever your reason, if you know that you like sex, but you don't find yourself wanting sex, you can do things to create what we call responsive desire. Meaning you might say, I'm not in the mood, I'm exhausted, but if I think about this scenario, it might put me in the mood. If you kiss me this way, it might put me in the mood. If I touch myself, it might put me in the mood. If you whisper in my ear, if you use this toy on me. Um, so if you're not in the mood for sex and your partner is, of course you can always say no and roll over and go to sleep. And you should do that sometimes if that's what you wanna do. But other times you might consider saying, okay, I'm not in the mood, but let's see what I can do, what you can do, what we can do to put me in the mood, you know, Mm -hmm. do this for a minute and let's see where we land. And so when I say be selfish, it's not just about getting what you want. It's also about cultivating what we call responsive desire. That is fabulous. Oh, I mean, yeah, because that, that, that definitely resonates with our day-to-day lives. I mean, you do so much in a day, with both of us, really. And mm-hmm. you're like, sometimes I'm just so tired. I'm just so tired, but it also doesn't mean that I don't want to. Yeah. And these are great ideas to even get myself in the mood because, again, like your partner and, and also like communicating that with your partner. Mm-hmm will really help because it's not a lack of desire or not wanting to be with them physically. It's just the exhaustion yeah. <laughs> and life being a lot. But Agreed. these are help, really helpful tips, really, really helpful tips. And I like that because I think, you know what, sometimes, especially when we talk about the kinds of things that we need, because I remember having that conversation with Leon, I think I was like, mm, like. 13 or 14 weeks postpartum and I had like a severe tearing. So it was very difficult for me to just jump back in the sack, like literally and like figuratively, like I just was not able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but even outside of like wanting grace as far as like healing so that I, you know, the sexual experience would be enjoyable for me too. I remember being very communicative about like needing more help. Like, I'm like, if you want yeah. me to be in the mood, then like, I'm going to need you to like, you know, get up more during the night. I'm going to need you to help clean up, like wash yeah. these dishes. Like you're going to make this meal instead, because these are the kinds of things like to Shen's point, like the number one reason I found, you know, you know, postpartum and even sometimes still now is yeah. fatigue. It's yeah. just exhaustion. I'm, I'm just too exhausted. And I don't like, you know, I, Leon and I are not in the business of doing like half-assed lazy sex. We're not doing that. We're either, have, we're either doing it, like we're both going to enjoy it. And it's not that it's going to be like crazy wild porn star sex every time, but it's going to be something that we're both enjoying and like, you know, really giving ourselves to, or not doing it at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So I was just like, I'm just, I'm leg- I'm physically right now too mentally and like physically drained to give mm-hmm. myself to you. So here's what I would have, here's what I would need, like, you know, in the day so that like I can, 
be the kind of partner that you want me to be at night or in the day or whatever. Um, and that was really, really helpful, like significantly helpful in terms of like, you know, changing our um, and improving our sex life. Definitely. Even like, I know there's times where I was like, okay, we both, we both need this. So I was like, you know, we don't have to do it in the night. Like, let's switch it up. Let's yeah. do it in between naps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. First thing in the morning. Yeah. Like, well, you'll end up getting it a lot more. Really. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm it's- not as tired. And I'm trying to work it, like, based on what my issues are. I'm like, this is why I need it. Do some chores. And then let's do it in the morning. It's or in the afternoon. And you'll get a lot more sex. This is it. <laughs> And I, I love that you're talking about chores because we often think about sex in a vacuum, but the entire relationship affects whether or not you want sex. Yeah. And sometimes it is a really practical, boring things, improving your sex life. Yes, there are toys. And oh, I have to mention lube because uh, I know that, you know, Cardi B has been talking about WAP and what makes for good WAP and what makes it dry. And the reality, and Cardi B is, uh, I love a lot of things about her, but not, yeah. you know, it, it isn't always wet and it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. And it doesn't mean that your pH is off. Yeah. Sometimes that's just the way it works. And we all can be using lube. Like the solution is always lubricant. True. So some people find postpartum, they prefer a silicone lubricant because it's a little bit uh, thicker and longer lasting. Mm. So uh, I work with a brand called Astroglide, which you can get at any drugstore, at any grocery store. Uh, and I like their paraben and glycerin free formula, but there, you know, there are lots of different options, but lube, 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 lube is your best friend. Plus you can do amazing things with it, with your hand and it can feel just like a mouth if you mm. use enough lube. What? Mm-hmm. Listen to me, friends. That was a gem. <laughs> Write it down. I don't know if you picked that up when that fell, but I know I caught it. <laughs> that is a whole word. Wow. Well, I mean, I think that like segues nicely into how we can spice up our sex lives. Like for those with kids, you know, for those maybe who have been together for a long time, for those who are feeling busy, like you've mentioned toys. And I did check out that womanizer um, toy and it has incredible reviews. Like I was just like reading some of them and the, the one that's like my personal fave was this was that, was like, that orgasm was so good. I almost passed out and I was like, whoa, child. <laughs> <laughs> Not you almost passed out. Like that is too much. So, um, definitely going to put that somewhere on the page so that people can take a look at that. But what other things can we do to spice up our sex life, you know, that like not are not necessarily like super extravagant, but that will make an impact and will, you know, help to improve the overall quality of our relationship. Well, yes, lube and toys, of course, but there's nothing that compares to communication. And in my field, we always say communication is lubrication. So the more <laughs> you talk about sex, probably the more fulfilling your sex life is going to be. So uh, I spend a lot of time just giving people prompts to consider so that they can, you know, better understand what they, what they value when it mm-hmm. comes to sex, right? So in, in the latest book, we have uh, a sexual values. I don't want to call it a quiz, but it's basically a discussion to get you talking about what your sexual values are. Like, why does sex matter to you? True. What makes sex pleasurable? What are the physical elements, emotional elements, 
practical elements, relational elements, spiritual elements that tie in with sex. And just those simple questions, like I've just given you five or six there, mm-hmm. you could be talking about that for hours, for months, for years. It's true. And, you know, I try and give people prompts so that they can talk a little bit more about what turns them turns them on. So you had mentioned, you know, having sex at different times of the day has really improved frequency. So just talking mm-hmm. about, you know, what are the best and the worst times to initiate sexual contact? When do you like to have it? What time of day is best? Do you like to be woken up for sex when you're asleep? What are the best days or worst days? And, you know, it changes throughout your, your, life, your life, of course. Are you open to having sex when you're menstruating? Are you open to having sex in the middle of the day on a work break? Um, is, you know, when you think of a scene from a TV show or movie that represents what you like, oftentimes in terms of seduction, because that's been my focus lately because of the book, but is there a scene you want to reenact? Are there shows or movies or celebrities that turn you on? Have you seen a show or a movie where the romance or the sex feels believable? Uh, is there a character you find attractive and what is it about them? Because it's not usually just the way they look. Uh, you know, are there words or phrases that you like to hear? Do you like things to be romantic or raunchy? So just, you know, I'm naming off some questions that basically come from, from my book, but these are prompts to get you talking about what you like, you know, like yeah. what, do you like being really close? Do you like the initiation to be light or aggressive? Can you show me what it looks like? Um, are there parts of your body that really get you going? Are there parts of your body should, that I should avoid? Um, you know, what, what do you find challenging about sex? Why is sex important? What surprises you about sex? Um, what, what does a good sexual connection mean to you? And I mean, dear God, if you just started with these, you'll be talking for years. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, lube and toys, then communication. And then one, one of the concepts that I think is most important is to understand the emotional underpinnings of sex. So I often talk about what I call your core erotic feeling. And this is a concept we, that I have, by, I have to shout out my co-author. I have a co-author named Marla Renee Stewart and all of these concepts belong to both of us. So I don't want to just you know, take them on my own. Um, <laughs> So I just want to say that before I go on, but the core erotic feeling is the feeling, the emotion that you require in order to get in the mood for sex. And everybody's core erotic feeling is different. So do you need to feel sexy or desired or loved or playful or powerful or subjugated or empowered or vulnerable or happy? You know, what is the feeling that Mm. you need to experience? in order to get in the mood for sex. And once you explore this concept, it's not like a, you know, a one trick pony, like, oh, I figured mine out, now I'm, I'm solved. But once you start to really consider this concept and think about the feeling that underpins your desire for sex, then mm-hmm. you can do more things to weave that feeling into your life, into your relationship. And you can teach your partner how they can make you feel more of that, right? So your yeah. partner might come to you and say like, oh man, I'm in the mood. I need it. I need it. I need it. And so it's clear that they want sex, but maybe it's not clear that they want you. And maybe Mm -hmm. your core erotic feeling is that you want to feel desired. And so you need to teach them how 
they can make you feel desired? Is it the way they look you up and down? Is it the way they run their hands over your cheeks? Is it the way they approach you? Is it the words they use? Is it the tone of voice? Is it the effort they put in in practical ways like you know making sure they're pulling their weight around the house or is it the mm. effort they put in in a seductive way like setting the scenes and lighting the candles or whatever it is you're into and so once you figure out your core erotic feeling then you can move on to what I call your elevated erotic feelings and these are the feelings that take sex to the next level these are like the emotional experiences that make sex so hot and often mm. when we think about fantasies or peak erotic experiences, it has to do with how we feel. It's not just mm. the way, you know, you moved or the way they touched you or the toy they used or the physical sensations. It's often subversive feelings like feeling a little threatened or some people are turned on by being jealous or some people are turned on by the risk. And so oftentimes, and it doesn't always work this way, but many times your core erotic feeling is uh, a feeling of of safety and a feeling that's tied to who you are and something predictable. Like I want to feel loved or I want to feel sexy or I want to feel relaxed. But your elevated erotic feelings can be, you know, much riskier than that. They can, you know, that's why some people can be turned on by being subjugated. And some people can be turned on by even being humiliated when you think about kinky sex. But you can't mm -hmm. tap into these elevated erotic feelings and have these hot, hot sexual experiences, unless you've got your core erotic feeling uh, addressed. And so that's why I think the, the emotional underpinnings and spending some time on it, it it's very, very important. Wow. Absolutely. I think my takeaway from this um, is communicate. No, communication seems like the core of all of this, communicating with your partner and, and teaching each other what you want. That seems like if we master that, I'm going to take it to another level. Absolutely. <laughs> no, for sure. I mean, I love that. I think, and it's cool because I consider like me on and I, like I wouldn't say we're expert communicators because I think that communication and learning to communicate is like a lifelong journey, but we do communicate quite often about like everything under the sun. But I feel like sex is something that we communicate about, but not in the way that I feel like perhaps is as effective as it could be. So, mm -hmm. so many of those questions are questions that I'd never considered asking him right. or myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't even imagine how, you know, framing it that way would, could improve our overall sexual experience. Like I just, I never, ever thought about that. Like, absolutely. Yeah. That's just like, it's so profound to have that little series of questions. Right. Uh, I'm going to have to get this book. I mean, yeah, like that's just, there's just, <laughs> there's just no way around it. At it's this point. important. It's crucial. Like, yeah. <laughs> That's good. With that being said, like, I know you said you have a book out. I think you should let our listeners know um, where to find your stuff and where to find you. Um, yeah. Because you have some key points here. I was like writing it down. I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> frantically writing things down. Like, well, how, how, how? You're my pen. <laughs> like, no, it's just like, I'm, pl I'm planning on replaying this recording back over like at least three times because it's just, yeah, it's just so, it's so powerful to hear. Um, yeah. And it's like things that I maybe had, some of what I've considered, some I'd never thought about, but it's just like reaffirming what I think I needed to hear in order to like, yeah. just improve the overall experience. And really just getting, realizing that I wasn't asking the right questions really mm -hmm. oh this was so helpful 
It was. Actually, you know what? I'm so sorry. I have I do have one question, but I don't know if, if this is the, there's even like a way to frame this. But I guess I'm thinking about time. Like like okay, so this is the only reason I'm asking this question is because I'm a part of like the Black Moms Connection group on Facebook. And yesterday one mom asked, she's like, seriously guys, for those of us who have been in relationships for like more than five years, how often are you guys having sex with your partner? And some people were like, like once every two weeks. Some people were like every other month. <laughs> Some people were like every day. Some people were like a couple times a day, a few times a week. And I think what people were like debating about was like, how many kids do you have? How many kids do you have? How many kids do you have? Because the number of kids that you have makes a difference. And I don't know whether or not that, that, that that's like true or not. And I don't even know whether or not you could speak to like what's true and what's not because everyone's different. Um, but what would you say like with people who are like, I'd love to have sex. I love having sex, but time. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, looking at how often other people are having it is, is both irrelevant, but also I think it's exhausting because then we feel mm -hmm. pressure to live up. So there, you know, we can look at averages, but certainly it varies not only with regard to whether or not you have kids or how many you have, but certainly how old they are. Yes. But looking at how often you have sex is sort of a, like looking at how often you go to the gym. So some of us don't go to the gym at all. It's not our thing. And some people go every day. And so some people opt to prioritize it and some people have more time to prioritize it. Mm -hmm. um, some people don't want sex every day. For some people, it's really satisfying to have sex once a month or once every two weeks. Uh, it's not everybody wants it all the time. And because we don't talk really openly and honestly and with vulnerability about sex, we don't hear a really broad range of perspectives. Even if you're out with your friends and you know, there's a group of five of you and three or four of you are saying one thing, the fifth person might be experiencing something entirely different, but they're probably not gonna speak up because they feel like they're abnormal, like they feel like they're not mm -hmm. good enough or they feel as though, you know, maybe they're, they feel as though they're a sex freak if they're the only one who's having frequent sex. And so sex like anything else, only happens if you make it happen. Like there's this idea that, you know, if we have sex three times a week, uh, it's because, you know, everything's going well or we got lucky or things are good between us. That could be a part of it, but it's also that you're carving out the time to do it. True. You're carving it out. You're putting yourself in the mood, as I mentioned before. If you're waiting until you're in the mood, that's probably when you won't have as much sex. And that might be okay for you. Like you don't get an award for having sex more often, but if you want to have sex more often, then there are things you can do about it. I, I usually assign an exercise to couples where you take a piece of paper and you write down on the paper how often you would ideally like to be having sex. So would you like it once a week, four times a week, once a fiscal year, <laughs> three times a quarter? Like how often do you want it? And then you draw a line and below your number, you write down how often you think your partner wants it. Because oh. we don't accurately estimate how often our partner wants it. If we want sex more often than our partner, we tend to underestimate how often they want it because it feels like they're always saying no. And if we want sex less often than our partner, we tend to overestimate how often they want it because it feels like all they ever do is ask for sex. And so this is, again, just to open up the lines of communication and hopefully, you know, laugh a little and and learn from one another and have a better idea. And you know, if my partner writes down, they want it five times a week and I want it one time a week, it doesn't mean we meet exactly in the middle at like 2.5 times a week. It just means that we can have a conversation about 
you know, what we can do to make sure that this feels fulfilling. Cause you know, you're, you're still having sex, both of you, but you have to, I mean, I think it's important to note there are plenty of people out there who aren't having sex, who have lost all interest, who, as you said, don't feel anything, who are just too down or too tired, or it's too painful, or it's not that pleasurable because they haven't, you can say it's because their partners don't know what they're doing, but ultimately it's because oftentimes they haven't figured out what they like and Mm. they're not communicating their needs to their partner. So if you're not having sex at all, I want to say like, that's okay too. There isn't pressure to do it all and be everything. But if you're not having sex and you're fine with it, that's cool. As long as you're communicating with your partner and they're fine with it too. Um, But also if you're not having sex and you're not fine with it, there are things you can do to get yourself back in the mood. Uh, And I think that's sort of just exploring some of these conversations around sexual values and sexual needs is a really good place to start. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. So we could double back and um, please share with our listeners um, your book and where they can find it and where they can find you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm Sex with Dr. Jess on all social media, sexwithdrjess.com, and a Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. <laughs> and then the book <laughs> is called The Ultimate Guide to Seduction and Foreplay. And uh, you'll, you'll find a link on my social media and on my site, and it's available wherever books are sold. Amazing. Yeah. Wonderful. I'm adding was, it to my cart. Right, exactly, <laughs> as we speak. Uh, this was outstanding. This was so, so good. Um, yeah, I, I love this episode and I feel like if you don't, you're crazy because (laughs) the gems that were dropped were phenomenal. So while we have you and are like tooting our own horns at like the amazing hosts that were, or guests that we're able to find friends, please make sure you're heading to Apple podcast that you're rating, uh, the podcast. We love to hear from you. We would love feedback. I mean, if you're not comfortable telling us about how your, you know, sex life has improved on ratings, that's fine. <laughs> you can rate us there, but then slide into our DMs and let us know that, you know, Dr. Jess changed your life because we want to hear all about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, please make sure that you're rating us on Apple Podcast and also make sure that you are heading to our website, wildenap.ca, and purchasing our merch. <laughs> <laughs> We have things, friends. We have good things. We have bomb mom shirts. We have Black Moms Matter t-shirts. And they're so awesome. Super cute. You're definitely going to want one. Um, So yeah, please make sure that you're visiting our website, purchasing merch, sliding into our DMs, nominating bomb moms. And yeah. Just chatting with us. That's where we want to chat with you guys. Absolutely. Send us your messages. Send us what you think about the episode. Mm -hmm. Send us questions. We'd love to ask questions for you guys when we have our guests so head over to our website and just drop us a message but with that being said (laughs) friends we want to thank dr jess for being on our episode this week yes um but a nap time is over and we'll have to see you guys in our next episode goodbye bye friends Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 